0: As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster.
1: I'm party like
0: it's Hello, and welcome back to The Last Jedi and the Left podcast. Uh, we are once again looking at the films from 1999. And for this episode, I'm joined by Catherine.
1: Hi, thank you for having me again.
0: Yeah, you're you're most welcome. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming back on. Anytime. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, we've. Uh, like I say again, as I say to everybody, that the the brief is to you know pick a film that you're interested in from the year 1999, and you came up with, but I'm a cheerleader.
1: I did. <laughs> yeah. I want, yeah, I wanted this movie I love. I wanted to pick because um, I was looking through the films that came out in 1999. Loads of action, loads of like classics, but I wanted to pick something maybe a little bit different um, from your other guests that you might have on.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely don't think you're alone in that as well. From some of the <laughs> some of the picks that people have gone for, I just yeah, you know, not necessarily what you'd always <laughs> imagine, but uh, more than more than area like say it's 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 interesting to get the you know, the films that people really like that are not just, you know, whatever won the awards that year or whatever was top of the box office, for example. Um, And this one is, is definitely one of those. I think it's so what are your sort of memories from when you originally saw it?
1: So I think I first saw it when I was around 12, 13. Um, It was actually one of the movies that I rented from the library because that's how I used to see movies over a decade ago um I think I I think I rented it because I thought it would be like bring it on which is absolutely not (laughs) um but I I just remember seeing it and feeling instantly really connected to it instantly like this this is so funny this is so unique um and looking back now I maybe know why I responded it to it so strongly, not knowing like I was queer at the time, but clearly there was a part of me that was like, oh, this is a movie that's important for me.
0: Yeah. Um, I could sort of totally get that. Like, it has got that um particularly like with, with the 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 cover, like the the main movie poster, or such, it's got that kind of um typical sort of high schooly type American. Thing going on there, yeah. Um, and like that was because for me it was one I, I actually hadn't heard of up until I think it was probably even in like up to the pandemic, and kind of had come across it. Um, probably on Letterboxd, which like I know I know you use it as well, yeah. but uh, people are probably sick of hearing me talk about it. So, um <laughs> but you know, you, you see the poster on there, and it's like Natasha Leone by this point is like really famous she's obviously like when it's filmed it's around the time of of like American Pie when she was in that mm-hmm. but now it's kind of like oh it's the the woman from well at the time it would have been like Orange is the New Black or you can yeah. even go like Russian Doll or anything that she's done since as well mm-hmm. um so she's like more famous now than she probably ever has been as well um but yes so for me it was one of those of going oh that's interesting it's from a good number of years ago by this point, but it's, it's a film. She's, and I hadn't really known too much about it. And then you sort of read into it. You go, Oh, that sounds interesting. And then it, again, it's just yeah. really, really interesting film to watch.
1: Did you know, um, it was like a cult classic when you, cause I think it is like still remembered pretty well, maybe by a smaller community, but I do think it's got like, um, a cult classic status these days.
0: So it, it wasn't one that I knew really like anything about going into yeah. it. Um, but then, like you say, since you kind of you you I've watched it and you kind of learn about it and stuff, and you go, "Oh, okay, this is it's it's interesting." Because I'm always quite into like films that are considered cult classics. Um, but yeah. this was just necessarily maybe a cult that had just passed me by up until this <laughs> point, effectively. Yeah. So it was quite nice to then find something new and 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 kind of join in from that point of view. Um, and yeah, I I, I, I like I say I really I agree with you. It's it's is really funny it's that kind of um sort of very in-your-face way of of being quite uh, uh dealing with what is effectively not a very nice subject really
1: yeah it's it's kind of a satire about something horrible like conversion therapy which you know Is torture to children but it manages to still be funny it manages to still be quite charming and also weirdly heartfelt at the same time so it walks a really fine line um but manages it to do it really well and in a way that you know still enjoyable watching 20 years later or whatever
0: yeah definitely um it's it's one of those of like because you've obviously got the sort of initial uh, idea, I guess, of like you know satire on on like say conversion therapy, but then it also mm-hmm. has that basically underlying love story element to it as well, which is I guess a little bit more conventional in a way, albeit yeah, in an unconventional way. Um, but but yeah, um, so yeah, I, I think it's um, it, it for me it's an interesting one, and I guess we kind of we get get onto the subject of like how how you think it's aged perhaps in in the last sort of. 25 years um I think it's an interesting one in the way that there hasn't uh, I mean maybe you can correct me on this because again I'm I'm perhaps not the the most plugged in shall we say but there hasn't really been too much of anything else like it I don't think
1: yeah um I love rom-coms and I think they're such a fun genre but like rom-coms have really like been dying out recently and people always saying this is gonna save rom-coms i just feel like hollywood is missing a trick by not delving into more like gay lesbian women dating women men dating men because there's like aspects to gay dating that is different than straight dating so there's loads of comedy to mine and in terms of like other lesbian rom-coms there's next to none like um bottoms has come out recently which is like almost it's kind of a similar line to this it's like a reverent comedy and then there are like lesbian characters um in it but I wouldn't really say it's a rom-com um but this is crazy this came out in 1999 and it's still kind of unique because when we still do movies about um like gay and queer relationships we tend to make them quite heavy and upsetting you've got starting to change we had like um bros coming out and like love simon um but like it's still not that many <laughs>
0: Yeah, it does feel like it's one of those of like I suppose like bottoms bottoms is one um, that that came out mm-hmm. last year that I I really liked. Um, but again, like you say, it's not so much a rom com as such. But then, I mean, you've got I guess um, like happiest season. I know that came out the Christmas one. Yeah, but but we're talking like like you say in twenty five years, you could probably count on both hands if you had to maybe of the like the number of kind of bigger the bigger names or bigger budget films of these this kind of thing um which is kind of strange I think um and I agree with there probably is something that's that's missing there and and I agree as well that, that when you do get um gay or, or queer love stories that are that are out there they do tend to be on the heavier side and I'm thinking again like all of us strangers that came out last year as well is is a very similar one Yes. kind of deep Subject matter of, of that does deal with that, so um, so yeah, I think you you you're pretty bang on there. There is there is a part of me, and I guess this is possibly due to like the inclusion of of RuPaul in the film, mm-hmm. who as this kind of former gay, I think is the is the line he uses, which so is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think his inclusion in it perhaps makes this feel a little. Quaint in a lot of ways. Mm, um, yeah. Um, seeing seeing what you know what effectively Rupaul now puts on telly, effectively, um, or you know in in terms of like his, his drag drag ratio or anything like that, that this kind of does feel kind of it's it's a little soft. It just perhaps doesn't go as far as if the film was made now. I don't think it would.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Like I feel like the part of the movie. Is we're meant to be shocked that it she is a cheerleader and she is go. That is no longer shocking in any way, shape, or form. Like the the boundaries it was pushed, thankfully we've all moved on a little bit. And um, I think it's I think there are some stuff that it's still making interesting points, but I agree it's it feels a lot more probably sanitized than it did um like in the 90s. Um I think RuPaul's casting in this is really interesting because at this point um ru there was no Rue outside of drag it was pre drag race um like people probably didn't if you knew ru paul you probably only knew him like in the wig supermodel of the world so i do like that to cast Rue paul at this point and have him be not a drag queen just a guy he's out of the wig people probably didn't even know like he was bold at the time they wouldn't have known what he looked like
0: yeah that's that's an interesting point as well i mean Again, this kind of, I guess, kind of comes back to the point of, I, I didn't know who RuPaul was until Drag Race became mm-hmm. like a really big thing. Um, it's just kind of, you know, not, not something I was really aware of. So, um, to then kind of go back and go, oh, okay, well he's been effectively doing this for, you know, like way longer and stuff. It was, it was quite interesting, but, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really funny performance from him as well. I think it's, it's really good.
1: Yeah, I, I, he's he's so funny in this. Like all his scenes, um, like with the with the boys, and like (laughs) doing the mechanic, and his like obsession with the leader's like son is really funny.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so I, I guess we've kind of got like the other thing. I think in it is it's really interesting for what is what is sort of a very small budget kind of quirky indie film from the time which obviously 90s was peak for indie films the amount of kind of famous faces that are in it yeah I think that's kind of interesting I mean like Claire Duvall's obviously kind of just coming off faculty and stuff like that so she's not a million miles away I guess from that kind of world but then even when you get down to like um michelle williams and julie delpy michelle... and people like that
1: <laughs> yeah michelle williams shocked me to my core see, with that silly haircut i was like that can't be the michelle williams in a two-minute role in this movie
0: yeah it's it's wild like you say i think for both of those because then i think like julie delpy's just credited as like the lesbian or something as well lesbian yeah, that's it, yeah.
1: lipstick lesbian
0: yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, wow, hang on. That was like, you know, uh, incredibly famous act actress as well. So, um, yeah, kind of really interesting to to come back. And I guess the other one for me, uh, the one we haven't mentioned is Melanie Lilinski who yes. <laughs> kind of has gone on to do so many different things as well since, but it's another one of those. Oh, hang on. And she's got like a, it's, I, I guess, is that her own accent or something that kind of,
1: it is right. I can't work out if she's like turned it up to make it seem funnier, or if you put one New Zealand accent in a room full of Americans, it just naturally sounds a bit funny.
0: Maybe. Maybe that's it. And like you say, it becomes more pronounced then. But I think either that or she and she's just been kind of masking her natural accent for years. And then okay. I, I know like the other the other person that gets me with that is um Jodie Coma as well, because she's yeah. Scouser and and like you hear her talking like in a normal day life and you're like, oh my god, I'd like, never have guessed that's what you actually sound like. She wasn't actually yeah. Russian all along, who knew? Um <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I think it's um it's really, really interesting to see effectively uh, your sort of younger roles as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think I don't know, I think when you have something like this and you get people at the start of the career like i know natasha leone uh clear and melanie they're all still like close friends um and when uh clear deval like did her directorial debut she cast them all in it because they had been friends from but i'm a cheerleader which i think is i don't know it's just nice like going forward that this you know was the start of the career for a lot of them but they still want to keep working together
0: yeah that's that's really interesting that is um and and it does kind of you know obviously there's that they all clearly enjoyed making it together then yeah that's really, yeah. that's that's good to good to hear because I, I didn't know <laughs> that so yeah yeah um what uh, what what are your sort of favorite moments then from this this film in particular
1: i really like um i really like the art design in and the production design of the film um you know it starts off when we're at her megan's parents house with everything's brown everything looks like almost something out of edward scissorhands and then we go to um what's it called the true is it true directions the the, the, camp. the
0: camp yeah something yeah i think it's like yeah
1: true directions um and suddenly everything's bright pink bright blue gender roles almost like plasticky barbie and everything's fake um and it it just feels like two very different, it's making the point really well that the gender roles that they're trying to impose on these kids are not real, and it's as fake as the fake flowers that she's like putting into the ground.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I, I um, it's it's interesting the comparison of like um Edward Scissorhands and I guess like then like Tim Burton films in general because uh, it's the the comparison i was going to draw would be like to john waters' films effectively it's that kind of very out there like everything's quite outlandish and quite bright yeah you know, pastel colors and things yeah. like that um so yeah that's uh, but i i think the, the tim burton ones are very apt as well
1: mhm i i definitely think they're deliberately referencing um john waters because um Megan's mum is played by Mink Stoll, who is in pretty much every John Waters movie um, right, okay. that he ever made. So I feel like they must have cast her a little bit for that reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's got to be a, like a direct callback to that then, you'd think. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Um. I know one of the things, like moving on, I guess, a little bit in terms of in the film, and this is one of the things that I kind of found Funny from watching it as the the two ex X gays, yeah. Um, but apparently, and I didn't realize, but that is like an actual an actual thing. There is like a group of people out there who are the ex X gays of people who've kind of been through this and then realized mm-hmm. that that they were lying to themselves when they considered themselves ex gays or such. And I uh, yeah, it was an eye I love for them. Me.
1: Yeah, they called Lenny and Lloyd Morgan Gorgon, which is a great name <laughs> um but yeah it's it's definitely a real thing um but also this is I think they really tie back to what I was saying earlier is you know throughout all these jokes on the satire, it does have like a lot of heart, and the idea that you know these two older guys are trying to look after um, you know the kids who are very vulnerable um, in the conversion therapy I don't know it's this whole idea of like um, found family and which is like so big like, within the like the gay community and then I also love you know we're laughing at what Two Directions looks like but also their home is Walls to floor, rainbows every single way. So, like maybe they also have gone a bit too much the other way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, um, but yeah, it it is interesting. I think it kind of comes back, I guess, a little bit in terms of obviously what you're saying about that the cast really loved obviously working together and everything that that shows because if they're still friends, but there is that kind of element of you know the, this is them the characters as such fine in their, like you say, found family as well. Um, so that's, that's an interesting sort of um, point to it, I think, as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And the villains in it are buffoons. So they are devoid of, like, logical thinking. And a, a lot of the humour, not all of it, a little bit comes from, like, laughing at, like, oh, these are gay boys acting gay. Um, but a lot of the humour comes from laughing how, how ridiculous homophobia is when you actually boil it down um and the people that run the camp are not the worst people in it it's you know you then get the scenes with their parents and you see like oh no they are like the actual villain of the piece when you know when they say like this is why your mom left or whatever
0: yeah 100% i think i think that is like say majority of the the sort of the humor does come from effectively laughing at them really it's it's Mm -hmm. the this is what they're saying is ridiculous when if you just ever take a sort of obviously it's very heightened in the film but like if you ever sort of was to stop and, and take a second and look at how that applies in more of a subtle way in in real life then you see yeah like you say it is ridiculous and it it's that sort of uh comedy through satire that that works really well i think in this
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I really liked the scene where they all, where they had to all find their roots, and it went round, and they all had to say like, "What made them gay?" And there were some absolutely cracking lines. One woman just went, "I'm French." <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> yeah. um, you, you have the big rules My mum wore pants to her wedding.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good. sort Of uh, again, like like sort of say ridiculous moments and, and stuff like that in there. Um, but again, uh, they all, it almost feels like they're just coming up with something because they, again, you, you kind of point to that. They think they have to have something and it's yeah. this, I guess this is going to be it because this kind of conforms with what people or what the societal norms would have been and things like that. Um, I've, I've got to be honest. I, I think the, and it always, it always cracked me up as the kind of towards the beginning, where uh megan dash leon's character is with her like the the football playing boyfriend or whatever and he's trying to kiss her it's like just oh way over the top and she's just like <laughs> incredibly bored looking staring off to this just always always made me laugh that day.
1: yeah she's so great in it like i don't know just her like slow realization that she is a lesbian and that like scene where she finally clocks like oh oh, no one else looks like, look at girls that way. Oh, everyone else likes getting with their boyfriend? What? Are you (laughs) sure?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like that that kind of, oh, we don't, like, people like doing that? I thought it was just something people did. Like, you know, it's the, yeah. yeah.
1: And then when her parents bring out, like, the bag of tofu and they're like, you tried to get us to eat this in part of her, um, when they had the intervention.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The only, I guess the only other, uh, one of the bits I've got is that um, the song at the beginning, uh, which is um, April, March, I believe it is, the artist, but it, it, it's called Chick Habit, which is the English version of a French song, um, which I I don't speak a lot of French. So Lassé Tomber-le-Fille, I believe it's pronounced. Cool. You're looking at I me like... Yeah, okay, cool. Um, but either way, like you say, that's it's the, the, you know, it's a, sort of a direct translation. I think it's an absolutely brilliant song. Um, I also, I know, I know it, it's on, uh, I think it's on Death Proof, the, the Quentin Tarantino film, and then, uh, A Simple Favour, another, another, uh, that was the Paul Feig film that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but I think like, it's a brilliant song and it just kind of, sets the cause it's, over the, sort of the opening titles I think it sets the mood really well as well this kind of like weird poppy quirky kind of song that it plays mm-hmm.
1: so I just had to give th- that I, a shout out yeah no I I like the whole soundtrack like it, it, it is a really good fun quite 90s soundtrack it is good
0: yeah definitely it has got that uh kind of of the moment kind of soundtrack as well which you know if, if you're going to go back to a film from 1999 is is you, you kind of want to be in that moment so
1: mm-hmm. The another bit i really liked was um but like kind of right before the final set piece where they had to do the um i can't even think how to describe it like the adam and eve
0: yeah <laughs> yeah
1: pretend to have sex with each other and you get the line um Four players for sissies. Real men go in, unload, and pull out. Yeah, yeah. The, there's one. The those script that, is still so good.
0: It it's one of those like that's one of those jokes that kind of almost takes you by surprise. You're a little bit like, oh, I know, that was quite, you know, disarming, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> yeah. in a way. But yeah, funny, very funny.
1: I I think I you know because because it's directed um it's Jamie Babbitt, isn't it? Um, so I think it's. Imp- important to talk about because you know she is uh, a lesbian and she made this film um this was like her uh I think it was like hers from conception because of that is you really get this relationship between the two women that's like not like fetishized at all it's 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 just sweet and it's romantic and like yes there is like um like a uh, like almost a sex scene between the two of them, um, but it's not like trying to be sexy, which you really wouldn't get without a female filmmaker. Um, maybe now is maybe different, but definitely then, and particularly because like she is a lesbian, so she's telling like this story. Um, that it, I think it's I still think it's crazy that that was like done in the nineties and it had its like premiere then, um, because you still sometimes can't get it in like movies today.
0: Yeah, I think that's the um, really good point. I, like I say, I think it feels like almost all of the sort of sex, sexual moments at least, are all played for laughs pretty much. Like I say, the, the vast majority of them, there's not too much that's kind of, you know, like you say, sort of done for the sake of doing it as such. There's always a point to it. And, and it is interesting to uh, to to say that, like you say, you know, we we think that's down to you know, if we put that down to the, the um the voice that effectively the films come from, which I think is fair, yeah. I think that's probably probably true. Um
1: Um have you ever seen the documentary this film is not yet rated?
0: So I have, but it was a long time ago.
1: Yeah. So they mention um Birth I'm a cheerleader in that because it's going into I can't remember what the American, but the MPAA, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. Asian picture. Yeah, it, it's like going into like um, how the ratings are done, and they mentioned But I'm a cheerleader because it came out the same year as American Pie, um, and it got a higher rating than it initially because, and you know, as they like talk about in this documentary, because like it featured like a scene between two women, as opposed to like someone fucking a pie, and that is allowed like a lower rating. Um, so they actually had to like recut. The original scene between um the two girls to give it a a lower rating
0: right otherwise okay. it was
1: sort of the highest possible in which case it's like really hard to show,
0: yeah, so my understanding is they have like the effectively the n c seventeen rating in america which is which is only like in terms of rules wise it's equivalent to like the eighteen over here, but uh vast majority of like like cinema chains or whatever would would just refuse to show it basically in that case and it's effectively known as like a, a bit of a death sentence for the, for the film, which I can't remember. I kind of, I probably have learned a lot of that from that film, but also I know I remember um, kind of in a similar way that, that, that one of Kevin Smith, I'm a Kevin Smith fan Um, for anyone who doesn't know, but one of his films, um, Zach and Miri was originally cut as being a, an NC 17. And he said he had a lot of issues on one of his like things. He was explaining that he had a lot of issues going back and forth that, you know, cuts that had to be made and stuff, and and, and like the end of it came down to that the MPA were more like uh, against effectively sex scenes than they were like mm. hostile, which came out the same year or something like that, and, and that's obviously got graphic violence and things like that in there, and that would get released as an R. So
1: yeah, it, it's so wild because it will be like if uh like if you show a man orgasming that will have a lower rating than if you have the same scene with like a woman orgasming so there's like and then if there's any kind of gay relationships that will always get a higher rating um so it's just really bizarre that like it is still a thing that happens yeah i
0: i'd like to think that that's changing a bit but maybe i'm just being a bit naive there
1: I think, and I've not seen this movie because it didn't look very good, but I do remember there were lots of talk that there was a Rebel Wilson, and Hathaway movie um, and they had to fight to get that to have a lower rating and she, I think Rebel Wilson, because she's like a former lawyer or something, she like represented the film um, with them or something. So I, I think it is unfortunately still happening because that would have been like 2018, I reckon.
0: Okay. So yeah, we've I mean, even, even though we, you know, that's a few years ago I guess but we're 25 years on from but I'm a cheerleader and then maybe like you say it's still more of an issue than it really realistically should be at this point yeah which is a shame but also uh I mean it feels a bit trite for me to say but I guess it's that it is America <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what they're like
1: is, yeah yeah it's very much like an American issue
0: yeah, I I don't know where the where the BBFC come down on these things nowadays, but um, but there you go. Okay. Um, I I guess that kind of it does kind of move us into the uh the last point on this film at least, and that is in your mind, who do you think owns the film? Now this could be um you know actors or if it's you know a certain um part of the audience or anything like that, or even the director or anybody behind the scenes. So who? Who do you think owns the film?
1: Well obviously, I think like for Jamie Babbitt, this is like an incredibly important movie, and um it it it's her most successful movie, and it's one she really wanted to get made but i'm I'm gonna say like it's um like particularly like gay women um like just the fact that you know I was. 12 I watched this I really connected with it and when you look at like people talking about this movie um online it's like the same story um still like over and over again people are like oh I I love this movie I watched it it was really important to me and I think the fact like people all around the world are connecting with it um and it's special to them because of that I would say that that's probably my answer and that's probably like what's so great about movies is like people can you know feel the same feelings about something a decade later um and keep the movie alive just because it was so so important to them
0: it's it's funny actually because um kind of coming off watching the film and then like before we started the conversation in, my, in the back of my mind i'm thinking oh yeah this is going to be like jamie babbitt is is the answer to this it's you know Natasha has got kind of got her moments in it, but it like realistically it's probably not it's it's because it is um all jamie Babbitt's story, and like you say it's, it's as far as I was aware as well, it was her most successful film. I know she's done some t v work I know she has done some other films, but I think this is the one that she's kind of remembered for in terms of in terms of the her film work um but then throughout this conversation like over the last, you know, however long we've been talking now, I think you'd kind of changed my mind as well. So then I was thinking, as I asked the question, I was like, okay, I was going to say this, but I think it's actually, I think you're probably right that it is actually that kind yeah. of owned by effectively the fans of this film who've, who, who, like you say, yeah. have kept it going as well in terms of, which is the same with, I guess, with a lot of, um, like you say, cult films in particular, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, I think I'm in agreement with you on that one. So you, you talked me around at least anyway. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah and it's like still being screened like um they they screened it i th- i think last year before, or maybe the year before and they played the bottoms trailer before it, so like the the first bottom trailers like premiered when they rescreened, but I'm a cheerleader, which is cute
0: that's cool um i, I guess it's got it's like uh i guess it's like in a way like a rocky horror kind of the, the people will turn out for it when it when it's shown again, you know. Or yeah. or even the room. It's not like either of those films. So that's the bad examples, but mm-hmm. y- you can still see what I'm saying with like it, how it yeah, scares fans and and people will like say particularly make an effort to come and go and watch it.
1: Mm-hmm. I once went to a Rocky Horror uh, screening with like um, I think I was like 18 and it was like my boyfriend at the time and uh, he didn't know anything about it and he was so shocked <laughs> by what was happening. He couldn't believe people were dressed up.
0: That's an interesting one, if if you're not, like, aware of what you're going to be walking into. But...
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that would be, be an eye-opener for him. I've never, mm-hmm. I- I've only ever, like, seen it at home, I've never been to a screening of it. Kind of think I'd like to, but I also, I don't think I'd be dressing up. I'm not confident enough to be, yeah. Uh...
1: I wasn't dressed up. I was. He, like, surprised me, so I didn't even get a chance to, like, warn him he just knew oh this is something that catherine likes <laughs> <laughs> and wow. then we saw like um like a history teacher like dressed stuff as well <laughs> so it was just like a really weird time uh, it
0: be an interesting evening one one that you can uh yeah. talk, talk about again like say so yeah i yeah. can imagine imagine how that would have gone down So, yeah, that that kind of uh, moves us on nicely then into your your top five for the... So we've got guests coming on to let us know what their top five films are from that year. Now, obviously, don't feel obliged to say the film that you've picked, but uh, we can go from there.
1: Yeah, so I didn't include But I'm a Cheerleader. It probably would be in there, but I thought I'd name five other films. Yeah. so, I had number five, um, Drop Dead Gorgeous, um, which is the you know, mockumentary style. It's a, of a beauty pageant. It's quite similar to Book um, but I'm a cheerleader in terms of like tone. And it also has like loads of people that have gone on to be like hugely successful, like Amy Adams, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Alison Janney. Which she was at the time, but you know, it's got a great, great cast and it's really, really fun.
0: Um, It's an interesting one. It's not one I've seen, um, Mm -hmm. but I was looking at for for one reason or another. I was looking at um, like a list of uh, mockumentaries sort of this time last year, I think it was, and it kind of came up a lot in there. And I was like, "Oh, that's one that I'll get around to." And then just sort of never got around to actually doing what I intended Mm -hmm. to do in terms of watching those. So it was kind of on my radar from that particularly. Um, But yes, it's one I've not got around to. So one i have to to try and get to i think
1: yeah it is fun um you know i don't know some of the jokes i don't think of age that well um so i'm you know not recommending it like thinking all of it you know as would i would right now um but it is still quite fun to go back to and watch
0: uh, that's that's fair well i'll let you off it like I say there's 25 years <laughs> of uh people's changing sort of things on that front so yeah we'll let you off for that one
1: yeah um and then the next one i put the matrix i feel like every person will have the matrix in there somewhere surely
0: (laughs) feels like one of them that people should have at least anyway
1: yeah like i I actually listened to your episode on it and i immediately was like i've I've actually got to go back and rewatch the matrix it's every time someone like starts uh talking about it like in depth i'm like that is such a good film (laughs)
0: It's one of them, and like you say, I, I kind of I rewatched. I, mean, I, I mentioned on the on the podcast, like you say, and I rewatched it when the the new one came out, and then again I rewatched it again for the, for the podcast. And it's it just never it's never bad. It's always kind of great to watch. So so yeah
1: yeah. I don't I don't know if anyone would ever go to me. Do you want to watch the Matrix? And my answer would be no.
0: A hundred percent agree. Yeah.
1: Um, and then third, I put Galaxy Quest. Okay. Yeah. Is- yeah the you know as people say the best star trek movie ever um i just like um i don't know that it's kind of like a testament to like fans and you know liking something a lot and it not being like a negative thing um and again it's another one where like the cast is great like alan McMahon is so good in that movie and sigourney weaver
0: i again i I don't want to give away spoilers but i am going to keep my powder dry on galaxy quest
1: okay yeah (laughs) um and then number two i put the mummy um i want more movies like the mummy like action comedy so fun really enjoyable still like set in like a different time period um everyone is on fire like it's brendan fraser in his heyday incredible
0: yeah, yeah, like I say, a, a really interesting one that um, obviously kind of it takes that the idea from the the original sort of universal horror monsters movie, um, mm-hmm. and instead of like the, the mummy being the most frightening thing, I think my takeaway was that scarab beetles are the most frightening thing from that film.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and it you know, studios wish they could do today what they did with the mummy. Like I had no no I, th- I saw it as a kid so i had like no knowledge of you know the old horror movies um but i just loved it and you know they're desperately trying to do that with like every conceivable horror icon that's possible
0: yeah 100 percent. i mean it's still i mean it's much better than that tom cruise one that came out a few years ago
1: <laughs> yes definitely um and then number one i put toy story 2 um which I think is my favorite Pixar movie. I was I was having this debate with my brother recently like if you could only pick one which one would it be? Um Toy Story 2 still makes me cry. It's when somebody loved me such a good sequence, um such a beautiful song, um and I well up just watching like that bit only.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um I've always I've kind of always at least as long as I can remember, always been like a big fan of the Pixar films. Um, Same. Seems to drift in a little, a little bit in and out nowadays. Um, but mm. but generally, I think like you say, it's, it's usually kind of that mark of of quality. And and uh, yeah, I think Toy Story Two is 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 um like a really really good film, and it cemented. I think by that point, it really cemented who they were as well, because you're kind of coming off mm. Toy Story and Bug's Life was never quite as Big of a thing, but then they proved that they could do it again, kind of thing. By this point, um, so yeah, that's a it's a it's a good solid top five. I think you've got there. It's um, but the there may be again. I don't I don't want to give away the spoilers, but there may be some of those films that we're coming to to revisit again in the future. So uh, expect yeah. to hear more about that at least yeah. on those. But but um, but yeah. I, well, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks for you know I guess bringing up this film that more people should probably see i think as well
1: i think so i think if you've not seen it and you've listened to this just give it a watch it is an easy watch it is like 90 minutes it's fun it's enjoyable it's colorful um so i i would recommend it to people who haven't seen it before
0: yeah definitely it's um i say genuinely funny it's 90 minutes which it's as I say a lot is like a huge selling point at this point because not nearly enough yeah. films are that length anymore um and I also think like I think the first time I saw it it was on like Prime or Netflix something like that, and it seems to live forever on easy streaming services it's always on them so like it, it's easy enough to get hold of for everyone as well
1: it is accessible so go out and watch it
0: yeah definitely well um, yeah thanks thanks for coming on
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: you're most welcome. Um, where where can people find you? What have you got to plug those kind of things?
1: So I have my own podcast where we talk about the 2010 series, The Vampire Diaries, um, and we go back to rewatch it. Uh, so it's called Missing Mystic Falls. As I always say, we know what the show is. We know <laughs> we don't think we're talking about the greatest TV of all time. It's just a very weird show that made crazy decisions um, that we needed to go and dissect. Um, so it's available wherever you get um, your podcast from. And then you can follow me on Twitter at um, Kathy underscore Scratch.
0: Very good. I'm going to disappoint you slightly. I've still not watched an episode of The Vampire Diaries since you were on last time.
1: Well, it's okay. You're very <laughs> welcome to come on. You're very welcome to come on and talk about one episode, cold, no knowledge of anything, and see if anything makes sense.
0: It would be an interesting experience, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on. I say um, everyone can find me uh, all the usual places. Twitter is Aaron Lewis thirty three. One letterboxed under the name of the podcast. The Last Jedi on the left. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.